Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, starting with the NBA. After winning two straight in Philly to tie up that series, the Sixers had all sorts of momentum. And then, like a lot of people arriving on South Beach with major dreams and plans, they end up messing the bed. Final score, 120-85. And it was a classic case of that game not being even that close. 120-85. to I mean, you have to work pretty hard to find a team that disinterested in that big of a moment. I mean, the Sixers do know it's the playoffs, right? And that that was the most important game of the year, right? Because they look like they could not have cared any less than they did. Listen, no shame in getting beaten by the Heat. They are the top seed in the East, and they are for a reason. But I'd love to know how you just lay down in a game that big on that big of a stage. Once again, no shame in losing, but lots of shame in getting hammered by 35 in your biggest game of the year. Like, I can't be any more clear in saying that. They didn't do a damn thing on either side of the floor last night. Pretty much any bad thing that you want to say about a team, the Sixers were last night. That felt like a midweek January game in the middle of a five-game road trip. Not game five of a 2-2 series against the number one team in the conference. I mean, that game was so bad. That game was so in the bag that DJ Khaled looked like he was about to check into the game and then gave Eric Spolstra a mid-game rubdown. Congratulations. And while pretty much everyone in Sixers gear was napping it out, like that courtside dude from the previous game, much of the talk, though, was focused on Joel Embiid. Because he wasn't right. He just wasn't. He wasn't himself. And because he wasn't himself, there was no shortage of people looking to rush right in, especially on social media, saying that Embiid's sluggish game was due to Woj's report on Monday that he was not going to be named the league MVP. Then again, there were a lot of really interesting things on Twitter yesterday. Am I right? Anyway... What's poppin', Twitter? It wasn't just social media with that weird take on Joe. There were folks on TV saying that the reason why Joel Embiid didn't look like Joel Embiid was because he found out that the Joker was winning the MVP award again. And some folks were really confident in that belief. Like, really, really confident. Like, the only reason why he wasn't himself was because he found out ahead of time he did not get the MVP. Now, I'm not going to say with certainty that it didn't play some sort of role, but there are plenty of folks who seem to know for certain that it was about one thing and one thing only, the Joker winning the MVP, and that's why Joel looked the way he looked last night. To which I would say, get the hell out of here with that. I mean, seriously, get the hell out of here with that. Because I'm guessing the fact that this dude was out there with a broken face in an 18th century torture mask, had a lot more to do with him not being right than him finding out that he's not the MVP. Are you going to really tell me that a guy was playing through what he's playing through and doing everything he possibly can to be out there for his teammates and keep their season alive? That that same guy would read that he did not win an individual award and then just shut it down and no-show for the most important game of the season. I mean, come on, man. Really? And yes, there were people who I respect the hell out of who were saying it. Not just random eggs on Twitter. And yes, I know. He was better in games three and four. But again, you think maybe there's a chance that he did not look himself on the floor last night because he hit that floor with a busted face, a recent concussion, and a jacked up thumb that is in need of surgery. Oh, and that he took a shot to the face in the second quarter and was on the ground for a while. And now all the deep on a drive, underhand, right-hand scoop, no good, tipped by Deadman, no good. Embiid with a rebound, he got knocked down, no whistle, and a basket, and Embiid is down. They hit him in the face, and there was no foul. Doc Rivers is out on the court. The 76ers star is down. Miami got a basket, and Doc Rivers is out at center court. 
Athletic trainer Kevin Johnson, who celebrated a birthday today, runs over to Joel. He got hit right in the face. Remember, he's playing with a broken bone in his face. Doc Rivers gets a tee. It looked like Deadman may have collided with Joel. Man, oh brother, not a good look. Not a good look. One of the top players in the world is on, on the ground, rolling around, writhing in pain after getting hit in the face with right, a broken bone in his face. Uh, happy birthday, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. The birthday boy running out onto the floor to check on the franchise. That was Sixers Radio. So this works its way back to Joel. And he was asked his thoughts on that. Like, was it a matter of you being butthurt? Or was it a matter of you having broken face? You know, this is a lose-lose situation for me. Uh, you know, if I don't play, uh probably get called soft. And, you know, if I play and I play bad, probably come up with a bunch of stuff that I guess he's just not good enough uh, so you know he's all about you know just you know trying to stay uh, not get too high or too low and you know just going out there and dig very deep and uh, try to do you know whatever I can see the thing is it's a very good perspective except that it's actually worse than that Joe because if you do play through the pain and you play poorly they're not going to say you're not good enough. They're going to say you're too sad that you went into a funk because you did not get a prize. That's what they'll say. In fact, that's what they did say. You know, that whole broken face, concussed dome, and shredded digit thing, not to mention Miami's suffocating defense. Nah, 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 nah. Nope, 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 nope. It's not about any of that. It's about you not winning the MVP, so you took your ball and you went home. You know, Woj dropped one of his bombs on your head, and you just laid down and died. Again, let me get this straight. Joel Embiid is tough enough to play through absurd physical pain, but he didn't play well last night because he was all up in his feelings. He didn't play well because his face and his head and his thumb hurt. No, it's not that. What really hurt was his butt. He was butt hurt. He was all butt hurt. And that's why he didn't play well. This guy's playing through a shredded thumb, a busted face, a concussion. But y'all want to slap him on the injury report as Embiid out. Butt hurt. Embiid out. Feelings. I mean, come on with that. I'm not saying that he wasn't pissed or frustrated, or disappointed about not winning the MVP. I'm sure he was. He wanted it badly. And he did have an MVP season and didn't win it. But that's not news to him. As he said last night, it's not like he just heard that as he hit the floor. He's known for a while that he was not going to get that hardware. This is something that I knew, you know, weeks ago. Even probably two weeks before the season. Uh, ended, you know, after those games against whether it was against Denver or Milwaukee. And, you know, when he did his trouble or whatever, uh, I just knew uh, it wasn't going to happen. And obviously, congrats to Nicola. Uh, you know, he deserved it. He had a, an amazing season. You know, there's no right or wrong. There was a lot of candidates. Uh, it could have gone either way. You know, Giannis, um, Devin. Booker being on the best team in the league by far. So I guess every year is all about, you know, whatever you guys decide, whatever fits the narrative uh, as far as, you know, who's going to win. All right, so I get that. I understand why he'd want to win that award. He did more than enough to win the award. I understand why he might have a beef with the idea of media members voting on it because that is a little bit jacked up. But I'm not buying the narrative that he had the game that he had because he was butt hurt instead of face broken, concussed, and having a shredded digit. And again, dealing with a very good Miami defense on top of all of that. Bottom line, you're not in position to win the MVP if you're that mentally weak to begin with. Stop making this guy out to be like, I don't know, Ben Simmons or something. He's talking about a lose-lose situation. And actually, the guy's right. 
Like, the hot take machine is a 24-hour, 365-day beast, and it's always hungry. You have to feed it constantly. Because only somebody desperate would come up with a more ridiculous take than Joel is playing badly because he's up in his feelings. Because his feelings were crushed and not his face being crushed. Man, you know that expression that athletes say all the time about the game? Give it all you got. There is no tomorrow. To play beyond your limits. You know, like MJ's famous flu game. About how you leave it all out there, right? Well, Joel is literally leaving everything out there. There are pieces of his face that are all over the floor. When that ball boy runs out, when the play moves up to the other end of the floor, he's not wiping down the floor under the basket. He's sweeping up Joel's face, the parts that he left on the floor. Like fans are getting onto the court to get souvenirs of Joel's face so they can put it up on eBay. But this guy can't handle the result of an MVP ballot. I mean, stop with that. Stop with that. They were garbage. They all played like hell, but not because he didn't win the MVP. Stop with that. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Or Trapper, what's your beef? Vidarian Lowe is my guest. Vidarian, great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Listen, you've been a Viking offensive tackle now for about a week and a half. What's it been yeah. like since you found out where you were going to be playing and what's your life like right now? Um, it's been amazing, man, to, to, to know that, you know, I'm part of the Vikings organization. Um, you know, they have a really, really solid team um, all around. You know, great players. Uh, from top to bottom, and uh, I'm just really excited to be, you know, a part of something like that. You know, I, I think that the team is in great hands, and I think that the team can do, you know, a, a bunch of great things. So I'm, I'm just very excited to be able to be put in that position, to be able to experience that, to be around all those guys, and to step in that locker room and, you know, try and make an impact in my own way. Um, and, you know, since draft day, you know, I've just been working out, just getting ready for rookie minicamp, getting ready for OTAs, getting ready to be around all the guys, uh, just trying to lock in so that, you know, I can make my presence known. I can I can establish myself. And, um, you know, I can just go in there and try to make the O-line room better. You know, that's all I want to do. All I want to do is go in there and compete and uh, work day in and day out because, you know, I'm, I'm doing something that I love to do. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it's all, all been, man. It's been great, though, to say the least. It's been fantastic. The Darian Lowe already making this show better. I appreciate that. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line room because, personally, I'm not sure how many shows do this, but I've always been really into talking to offensive linemen because they're so important, and I think they're frequently overlooked. You know, you've said one of the things you love most about being on the offensive line is being able to develop a cohesive unit in order to function at your highest level. How did you go about developing that chemistry with your teammates on the line in college? Um, so in college, you know, it was it really started, you know, my true freshman and sophomore years. Though the early years that I was in, in school, that was when, you know, that foundation of the chemistry uh, really started to come into play. You know, we – we did these things in the summer where um, one of our teammates, he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs now, uh, he had, he would take us all to his uh, family's lake house in Michigan, you know, just the O-line for two days or so. And we all go up there and, you know, just just, just kick it. And we'd all hang around, hang around and, and talk and do all these things, play games just for, for a day or two straight. You know, um, that's just, just being around the guys, uh, that was really what established that, that chemistry. That was really the foundation of having that cohesive unit. And, um, you know, that carried out for years. You know, once we all finally got well-known with, with each other and we finally understood, you know, each other's playing styles and, and how and each other's strengths and weaknesses and, you know, how, how each person is off the field, um, I think that that was just – that it made it made the last four, three or four years um, very easy just for us being so tight, just for us knowing each other so well. Um, we, we all talk still to this day, um, the group that I came in with. So – it really helped us on the field. You know, I think that it made playing O-line with the guys I did at Illinois made it very, very easy 
because, you know, I, I, I knew everything about them. I knew, you know, their strengths. I knew what they could do. You know, they knew mine. And I think that it really helped us um, throughout our entire, entire time in college. And that's the same thing I want to do, you know, um, in the NFL. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, I go into this O-line room and make sure that I get well-known with the guys and make sure I understand them on and off the field. And I think that it'll just help everybody. But Darian Lowe is joining us. All right, so from where I'm sitting, when I hear this, it seems to me the Vikings are getting something special in you. Your wife, Haley, says that when the two of you first met, the two of you sat up all night talking. You said you were hooked after that conversation. What do you remember about that night and how special that connection was? Man, um, yeah, that was something like uh, nothing I'd ever experienced before. You know, um, she's my definitely my, my, my first and only true love, and I was like – I never had experienced anything like that until that night, and like I, I, I was genuinely hooked. You know, right after that, like I couldn't get enough of her, um, and you know, like that, that feeling, that feeling stuck around, and it turned into you know the beautiful family that we have now, and you know, it turned into us having to experience all the things that we experienced, and and, and making us who we are now. Um, I, 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 I can't even that that feeling, man, like just the conversation that we had and meeting her, you know, was the best thing that ever happened to me. And, you know, I got two beautiful boys out of it. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful that she's in my life. Vidarian Lowe is joining us. So you've got those two beautiful boys, Kingston and Trey. When you found out that you were going to be a father for the first time, you admitted you were scared, which, believe me, we all are. It's completely understandable. You told yeah. your grandfather, Jerry, that you weren't sure you could pull it off. What was his response to you, and what did you take away from that? Yeah, so my my grandfather, uh, he all he he's always been the person that I've I've went to, you know, whenever whenever I'm going through anything tough in life, whenever I'm you know something's good happening to me, he's the he's the one guy I always go to because he's always gonna give it to me straight. So um, this was the first time in my life where I was really going through some you know some adversity, some grown people stuff. You know, I'm 19, but I, this is some real stuff now. So um, I went to him, you know, and told and told him, you know, what was going on and. And he, he always says, you know, what's your last name? And I'm, I'm like, Lowe. And he's like, well, that means you can do anything. You can get through anything. You're built for anything. You know, us low men are, are, are built for anything, and we can we can do anything we want to do. So, you know, he you know he, he said that, and, and that, he, that always sits with me, you know, because my grandfather is a really strong, powerful man. He's a man of wisdom. You know, he's been through a lot of experiences. And um, I really, I really, you know, I really trust him. I really look up to him. So, you know, just him giving me that, you know, that reassurance and affirmation that, you know, if I, I can do this, I can pull pull through this. I can become a great father at this young of an age. Um, all of those things, man. Just for him saying, telling me that, you know, it really it really gave me a lot of confidence and everything. So I'm, you know, I always go to him for anything because I, that's my guy. It's like you know this already, but uh, regardless of age, being a parent is an awesome responsibility. I don't care who you are, where you live, how much money you have, what your life is like. Being a parent is an awesome, awesome responsibility. It's it's the best 100%. job. It's the toughest job. But as you point out, you had to deal with kind of like grown-up people's things. A month after your first son was born, your mother passed away. What was your mom like as a person, and how much of an impact did she have on you? Um, my mom was a fantastic woman. You know, she was a very hard worker. She did any and everything she could, you know, to to give her sons, you know, me and my brother, the best life that she possibly could have. Um, you know, she was a great woman, very smart, very bright. You know, I will always recall times where, you know, she always she always cared about school. You know, it wasn't never about football. It wasn't never about sports. She didn't care about me wanting to play in the NFL. You know, she always just wanted me to get my degree. Um, and she was always school comes first. So, you know, that was one of the things that I wanted to make sure I did. Uh, I wanted to make sure I graduated because that was for her. Um, that was my main, my main goal was always playing in the NFL, but she wanted me to get my degree. So that that my degree is for her. And, um, you know, I, I, carry, I carry that with me every day. I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of her um, for doing everything she could have done, you know, before she passed away to, you know, make help make me into the man that I am today. Um, that I saw all around, though, she was just a very great woman, a very great woman. But Darian Lowe is my guest. Listen, if this story weren't amazing enough as it is, as far as we are right now, that'd be something. But after she passed away, you started to look after your younger brother, Vidalis, who you mentioned. Then in July of 2020, you and Haley made the decision to adopt him. What was that process yeah. like, and what does that role mean to you? Um, that process, that was a, that was a roller coaster of a process, man. Um, if anybody has been through, you know, the court system and, you know, dealing with that type of thing, they, they'll, they'll know as well. Like, um, it was a very long drawn out process. Um, it was just for my brother in the situation that he was in, um, for him being 12 and 13 years old, 
having to live with my granny and, you know, basically having to take care of her uh, day to day whenever he would come home from school and whatnot. Um, it just wasn't the life that, you know, I wanted my brother to have at that, at that age. You know, that's not something that I thought a regular 12 or 13 year old kid, you know, should have to do. You know, I think that they should be a kid. They should be able to, you know, do the things that they want to do um, while they have the time. So I wanted to take my brother out of that situation. You know, I mean, my wife came together and decided that that was the best thing for us to do was to take him in and just give him the stable home, give him, you know, the mom and dad figures and, and just, you know, give him give him a sense of stability um, in his life, which is one, one of the main things that we wanted to do. And, um, yeah, so that, that process, that process was very, very drawn out, very up and down. Uh, it took us about it. It took me about a year before the courts um, decided to let me have 100% uh, custody guardianship of him. And um, I think that has been the best decision, you know, for him, honestly. Uh, I think that me and my wife have done, you know, everything we can still to this day to just make sure that he has a great life, you know, make sure that he, he's able to get every um, experience that he can out of it. And um, I genuinely, genuinely, like, I'm genuinely just happy to be able to be put in this position and do that for him, you know, because uh, I'm all he's got, so... I think that you know, it's, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very happy to be able to do that. My man, really quickly, you're, you have incredible maturity for somebody so young. How do you explain the fact that not only are you not overwhelmed or phased by these important responsibilities, it seems like they actually motivate and inspire you? Yeah, man. It, it yeah, that is 100 the truth. Um, I use this as, as fuel. You know, this is something that not a lot of people are going through, and um, honestly, I think that just for me to be put in this position now, I wouldn't be here without all these experiences that I've went through. I think that uh, just me as a person, me as a man, I needed, I needed something to get me going. Um, and, and I think that I'm glad that all of these things, all these trials and tribulations, you know, all these ups and downs that I went through in my life, I'm glad that I went through all those things because they have literally made me the man that I am today. They've, they've, it's made me have the mindset that I have and it's gotten me to this point and it's going to continue to push me. Um, just with, you know, I'd be lying if I said it was all easy, you know, it was all pieces of cream. Cause you know, it's not, it's not being a dad, this young of an age of two young toddlers and having my brother, you know, being married, I want to be a good football player. I want to be a great husband, great father, you know, that I'd be lying if I said it was easy, but, um, I, I make an adamant effort every single day to give everything all I got. And, um, I really think that by me doing that, by me putting so much work into wanting to be great at it, um, it's gotten me to this point. And I would be lying if I said that I was anything other than extraordinarily impressed. He's an offensive tackle with the Vikings, a two-time honorable mention as an all-big tenor at Illinois. The Vikings 8-9 last season, and they've got themselves a very special one right here, Vidarian Lowe, my guest. Vidarian, so good to meet you. Great to have you on the show. It's a powerful and amazing story. Thanks so much for sharing it. I hope you and I can talk again and chop it up soon. Yeah, man, thank you so much for having me, Jim. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Oh, yeah. I love that sound. Always puts a smile on my face. The reason for that is Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. Trust this. When this podcast started, you would not believe the types of things that we were selling. Compare that to where we are right now, and I understand that journey. I understand the success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. And I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. And like ours... Shopify powers over millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. What a great product. Find out for yourself. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. You have to try this on. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now. That's shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Mark in Hollywood. What's going on, brother? Uh, Jim, man, I am so despondent over the Sixers no-showing last night. I just had to call and give them a piece of my mind. Psych! What up, Mr. Burns? Yo, it's cracking, Scrooge McDuck. 
Yo, Jim, not sure if you have Wi-Fi in your tower of money, but while you were swimming laps in your case yesterday, the athletic blew up your fiduciary spot, Richard Branson. You know the old saying, never be the main character on Twitter? Well, hate to break it to you, Jimmy, but yesterday you were the main character, the love interest, the best friend, the quirky neighbor, the mailman, the guest star, the co-star. Hell, you were the extras, brah. You were so many characters. It was like watching Mike Myers play Austin Powers, Dr. Evil, and Fat Bastard, or like being inside Herschel Walker's dome. But I'm not sure if you saw tanned Jeff Bezos. Well, we had your back against the Twitter eggs that were like, if Jim Rome gets that money, what about my local show? Why aren't Jerry and the Butt Slam on WYXT in Nebraska getting paid? What about Dougie and the Diaper, WKAT in Alabama? They're on air 12 hours a day. They deserve that. Psh, please. Those morning zoos don't give radio gold like fat, bum, and personal appearance smack. The Rat and Rat family ain't walking through that door. Fire takes about diarrhea. Don't just dribble out someone's sphincter on command, suckas. And finally, Jim, you know how you said if your last name rhymes with something negative or conjures something you don't want it to conjure, you better not be that thing? Like no Tippin' Pippin', he doesn't tip. Or James Larden, he's full of lard. Well, good thing for you, your last name doesn't conjure anything that has to do with yesterday. Let's see, Rome, Rome, Rome. Nope. There's no way that name is synonymous with being rich, opulence, with excess, and with someone who, according to The Athletic, when they serve three hours of jury duty, gets paid approximately $14,423. You do the math, I'll do the jungle. Consider this my RSVP for the smack-off, sexy Mark Zuckerberg, late. My man, Mark in Hollywood. If you're a parent, you know this. Kids are amazing, but they are expensive. However, with Fabric, protecting your family with term life insurance is surprisingly affordable. Fabric was built specifically for parents to help you manage your family's financial future like a parenting pro, stress-free. And Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. And everything is on your schedule with Fabric because it's all online. Less than 10 minutes to apply and you can be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Then just personalize your quote to fit your family's needs and you will be set with high quality, affordable protection for your entire family. There is no risk to apply today. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. So protect your family with term life insurance right now in just 10 minutes. Apply today at meetfabric.com slash Rome. That's meetfabric.com slash R-O-M-E to start protecting your family right now. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash Rome. Fabric insurance agency policies issued by Vantis Life. Not available in New York and Montana. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Chris Herring is my guest. Chris, good to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Thanks so much for having me, as always. Appreciate you. Thanks for doing it. So, Game 5, Chris, uh, Milwaukee-Boston takes place tonight. How different would tonight's game feel, for instance, if Al Horford does not explode in the fourth quarter of Game 4 and carry the Celtics when things were looking really bleak? It could look a lot different. I mean, let's be honest, he did play well at the beginning of the series, too. And, I mean, while that was an incredible, incredible performance, uh, I think it was record-breaking from the standpoint in terms of um, the latest that someone's had like a career high effort in their career uh, with how many games Al Horford's played in the playoffs. But let's be honest, the Bucks have to adjust. If, if he's not going to do that or have the potential to do that, they have to adjust the way they're guarding him. And by design, they've kind of left him open um, to try to throw more attention, certainly at Jason Tatum, but also at Jalen Brown. Um, and, and so, you know, which one are you giving up? especially when Tatum heated back up last game. He was not great, but he was a lot better than he was in the really brutal game three. So Horford will have opportunities. I don't think you can sell out completely to make sure that he doesn't do what he did last game. The likelihood of that happening is not big, uh, you would think. But um, you don't want to sacrifice too much in, in defending him because if it, if it leaves Tatum open, he's more likely to really make you pay than someone like Horford is for a second game in a row and for a third time in the series.
So I think the Bucks don't want to overcorrect too, too much. Chris Herring is joining us right now. Now, Chris, this series, as well as some of the others, have been pretty physical. As the guy who literally wrote the book on the 1990s New York <laughs> Knicks, you know all about physical basketball. And while nobody is going to confuse this year's playoffs with those of 25 or 30 years ago, there have been a number of incidents and plenty of players, coaches, and fans accusing others of being dirty. What do you make of how all of it's been litigated thus far? Yeah, I've been a little bit surprised and a little bit uh... – frustrated i don't know what that really says about me um but it's a little bit strange to me i I can't tell how much of it is just kind of grandstanding to try to force the league's hand uh into suspending certain people but i'm I'm not in love with the idea of people just accusing everybody of trying to hurt people or everything being dangerous it's it's a physical sport you hit the nail on the head that the bucks um series in particular with Boston has been really, really physical in some ways because they're not calling a lot of it. So of course the guys are going to keep doing it if you don't legislate it a little bit better. Um, But what makes me uncomfortable, I think, is the fact that um, by accusing people or suggesting, you know, obviously the Grizzlies and the Warriors, it's been really prevalent now between both sides of kind of the accusations flying. Um, What I don't like about it is that we're in an atmosphere where social media exists. We're in an atmosphere where fans last playoffs really weren't behaving and were spitting on Trey Young and um, throwing water balls at Kyrie Irving and dumping popcorn on Russell Westbrook or whatever that was. Um, so you already have fans that are, you know, happy to be outside and happy to be able to go to games again, and they're, they're doing a little bit too much. But then you've also got people sending death threats and stuff anonymously through social media and otherwise. I don't and, – and who knows what, exactly what happened with Chris Paul's mother in Dallas the other day. I just don't like the idea of kind of putting a target. It, it, people already have enough of a target. If they did do something that could be perceived as dirty, fans will already perceive that one way without their favorite team or their favorite player or their, you know, their, coaches, uh, their, their team's coach putting more of a target on them in, in a really inflamed society and kind of uh, sports atmosphere that already exists. That's what I don't love about the accusations without knowing what people's intent is. Yeah, right. It's it's really interesting. All this talk of dirty play and and players doing things they should not be doing and whether or not there was intent, there may in fact be some link between fans acting out and seeing all of this. What about the physical play itself, Chris? For instance, how do you distinguish between physical and dirty? For example, how did Riley's Knicks draw that line back in the day? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. We, we can be really honest about the fact that, and I use the word in my newsletter, tribal, that you're always going to kind of ride for the guy that's on your team. You're never going to, rarely are you going to call out someone as just being wrong for what they do. Very rarely was Pat Riley calling out Charles Oakley or Anthony Mason or John Starks. John Starks broke Kenny Anderson's wrist on a really physical play, and they obviously could have hurt the Bulls. I mean, John Starks clotheslined Scottie Pippen during the playoffs one year. Um so that rarely were, were their coaches going to call them out. But I think there were times there where you could have called the Knicks dirty. Um, they were certainly over the line at times. I think when you play that sort of style where, quite, quite frankly, Pat Riley was telling them to knock Michael Jordan down, just by the nature of that, if that's the style you're playing with, you're at times going to cross the line and potentially hurt someone or actually hurt them. So I think that there were times where that crossed the line and, and was dirty because that was kind of, you were playing up to that line anyway. Nowadays, coaches are not telling guys to do that. Uh, if anything, they're probably shying away from that so they don't lose them for a playoff series or a game or whatever else. My thing is that what sort of history does a particular player have with this? And that's kind of been the irony with Kerr and some of the other guys saying stuff breaks the code. Draymond Green, God bless me, is one of the best defenders in the world, if not the best. But, I mean, he's had plenty of instances where I think if, if, he, if and when he does something, he's going to be looked at differently because he's got such a long track record of kind of crossing that line. So that's, to me, where I, I have a problem with the Jordan Poole stuff and accusing him. First of all, I don't think he caused a bone bruise with what he did um, to John Morant, but there's not a track record there. And so that's why I don't love the idea of calling something dirty. How can you really talk about intent when you don't have a track record from someone to draw from to really call it that? Mm, Chris Herring joining us. All right, so one final thought. What about that matchup? You've got game five of the Warriors and the Grizz tonight. Memphis, of course, without John Morant. They put up a valiant effort in game four, but do you see any way for them to get back in this series without Morant? 
I, I could see them winning tonight. I, I, I struggle to see them really pushing the idea of them winning three straight games without Morant. Look, they were fantastic during the regular season. Obviously, without him, 20 and 5. We saw firsthand the other night that their defense really clamps and locks down in a different way when Morant's not there because Morant is not a very good defender. Um, you can't hunt him the way that the Warriors do oftentimes, particularly the Warriors because they've got guards that flip around and kind of take screens from each other and, and get open, and Morant is not really uh, cognizant enough defensively to be able to pick up on that or stay with that. They also cause more turnovers defensively. Um, but I, I could see them winning a game. Maybe something crazy happens in a game six to where you can take it to seven, but I would be so, so surprised if they did that. At some point, you're going to need scoring, um, just a lot of scoring to be able to beat a team, particularly in a game seven against a more experienced team. So I don't think that they can really push the series that far but I could see them winning tonight. Hey, Chris, one last thing. You've got a fascinating piece up right now on SI about Greg Popovich's influence on these playoffs. Jason Kidd nearly played for Pop. Eric Spolstra coached against Pop in the finals, and Doc Rivers nearly replaced Pop. For those who do not know that story, what happened there? Yeah, Doc uh, almost got that job because look back to 99 before Greg Popovich had won a single championship. Uh, in that year, Greg Popovich had the Spurs at six and eight during that lockout season. They were expected to be better than that. And so the edict, you know, as far as what Pop was concerned and what he kind of heard through the grapevine was that if the Spurs did not beat the Rockets on a given night, that Pop was going to lose his job and that they were going to replace him midseason with Doc Rivers, who was on the coaching market. I think he was actually an, an announcer that year for TNT or something. And so Pop told uh Avery Johnson and he told uh David Robinson to come over to his house that night when he heard the news of what might happen and he told them look guys we really got to win in Houston because if not I'm going to be out of a job and you're going to be coached by Doc Rivers so Avery Johnson told the rest of the team that on the team bus before shoot around the next day they went into that game like a business meeting they won against Houston I think they won 30 out of the next 35 to close the year and they only lost two playoff games in that, uh, that postseason, uh, I think they were 16-2, and two, and that, the rest was history. They won that championship and obviously won four more. And, um, yeah, but, you know, and it, it caused a, a little bit of a, a rift a little bit between Doc and uh, Pop that that was a thing, but they've become good friends since then. That's a wild story. He is a senior writer at Sports Illustrated, co-host of Open Floor, SI's NBA show, author of The Playmaker, SI's weekly NBA newsletter, and a New York Times bestselling author, Blood in the Garden, is available right now. Chris, great to have you back. Always appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Jim. The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. Meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400 HP Nissan Z. Or, for your off-road adventures, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. If you're more of a spontaneous road trip type of person, then hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And, for something more electric, there's the stylish Nissan Aria. So, let's enjoy the ride. 2023 RNZ not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. We do it once a week. You can beef about anything you want. Let's get going, dear pimp. My beef is the guy at the office that starts undoing his pants and fly before he gets to the bathroom. Buddy, I know you got to unload, but how about you waiting until you exit the hallway before settling in? Craig in Calgary. Ram Jim. My beef is with the bag in my neighborhood who drives the M5 with a souped-up exhaust. Hey, a-hole. It's 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Nobody wants to listen to you sitting idle in your glorified lawnmower that is shaking our window panes. Tyler in the OC. I love that. I'm already at work, so I don't know about that, but I love that it's a glorified lawnmower, the M5. Jimothy, my beef is with anyone who leaves their Christmas lights on past the month of December. Hey, bucko, were you kicked in the head by a donkey? Quit spending all of your time at the tattoo parlor getting monster energy tats on your face and start ripping off that twinkling trash hung up around that dumpster you call a house. You're a lazy sack of ass. And quite frankly, I think you should be in prison. Whoa, bro. 
Eric in Colorado Springs. My beef is with communal towel at the party guy. Get paper towels. No one wants to wipe their hands on a towel that's already wet from the last nine people's hands, and nobody wants to dry their clean hands on the towel. The little Johnny with the stuffy nose just used after washing his hands without soap. Lamb in Hawaii or New York. Well done, Lamb. Well done. I've got a beef with the saying, a series doesn't begin until a road team wins a game. That idiotic phrase means that both the Heat Sixers and Suns Mavs playoff series will have either A, started the second they were over, or B, they would have never existed. Jason in Bend, Oregon. Hey, Jim, my beef is when you microwave your caviar at lunch. Sign the XR4TI. Casey, New Hampshire. Bro, my caviar has never seen the inside of a microwave. You don't microwave caviar, bro. Come on, man. Stop making bullcrap up. At HP, HP Joker. My beef is with people who saw this infographic yesterday and were shocked that the best in the game still gets paid. Urgh, allegedly. Like it. Hey, what's popping, Twitter? Jimmy... My beef is with restaurants not being able to execute what their apps say that they do. I place an order for a drive through pickup, and it says, just tell them you have a mobile order at the drive through window. I get there, and they tell me, it would be easier if you just came in and got it. Easier for whom? Should I go behind the counter and make it myself, too? If you can't provide the service, don't offer it. Clean it up. Jamie in Green Bay. Jim, my beef is with the change you get at the gas station. I give the clerk a crisp bill to cover my purchase, and invariably, part of my change is a wrinkled, damp, duck-together, shrunken dollar bill. I don't even want to touch it, let alone put it in my pocket, and I sure don't want to know how it got wet. Disgusting. Brian, in Detroit. Jimmy, my beef is with low-profile toilets. My neighbor's aunt missed the thing and ended up wedged between it and the wall. Why is there not a warning label reading, object is lower than it looks? Mike in the STL. St. Louis. Rome, my beef is with my wife. Yelling something down the stairs while I'm watching playoffs. I can't really hear, so I just yell back, okay. Next thing you know, I'm going to a Tupperware party or something equally awful. Mike and Snowbird. Pimp in the box. I got beef with my daughter. Well, with my wife and daughter trying to have a full-on convo with me while I'm trying to drop a deuce. Leave me the hell alone and let me tend to my business, please. Tony and Redwood. I could have done without that. Darth Todd 44 tweets. My beef is with whoever lays on the horn. 0.001 seconds after the light turns green, expecting me to smoke the line like I'm driving an alcohol-fueled funny car. That's good. Mr. Rome, my beef is with my friends and family's crappy taste. I'm not a chef, but I spent all day making beef wellington that I cooked to a perfect medium rare. What do my parents and best friend do when I serve them their portion? They put it in the microwave and they nuke it until it's dark gray. I shouldn't be upset, though. Because if everyone had good taste, they'd want to bleep my girlfriend and drive my car, too. Earnestly, Major Ernesto Z, Esquire in the PNW. Damn, Ernie. Hey, Jim. My beef is with gas pumps. Not the ridiculous price of gas, but the amount of information I have to enter just to get the damn gas to pump. Why don't you just ask for my firstborn and my social security number? Keith in Milwaukee, on Wisconsin. I agree with that. I take great offense to that. 
No, I don't want a damn car wash. Well, why is me not paying $7 per gallon enough for you people? I do not want a car wash. Stop asking me if I want a car wash. If I wanted a car wash, I'd get a car wash. Dan in the Bay, Romy, my beef is with the insane amount of social media posts of people's bare feet with a body of water in the background, followed by some stupid caption like, just relaxing. Bro, why don't you just say it for what it is? Your beef is with social media, and you're not wrong. Rome, my beef is with the weirdos that pour half the bag of M&Ms or whatever small candy into their hand, then walk around shaking them in their hand like they're shooting craps. Hey, doof, what the hell are you doing? Eat the candy or don't. CJ in Long Beach, that's my favorite one so far. Snake eyes, snake eyes. Mama, mama needs new pair of shoes, 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven. Shaking a handful of Starburst. Hey, Riddy's talking to you. Ritz walking around the office with a handful of M&M's, just shaking them up. Yo, yo, yo. Ah, double ones. Rome Slice. I got a beef with James Kelly and his car wash. He's taking money out of my pocket. Regards, bums with a squeegee. Geoff and Lincoln. War bums using and I voted today's sticker as a nicotine patch. Geoff. This is a warning. Dude, I'll block your ass so fast. And you know I've only blocked one person in the history of the program. I will. Stop with a bum smack. Nobody finds it funny, Geoff. It's bad enough you spell your name with a G. Jimmy. My beef is with my mom getting on my ass about sports betting because I don't exactly know what all the pluses, minuses, and numbers mean. Ma. I'm not really betting on any teams. I'm betting that one that James Kelly knows what the hell he's talking about. Come on. Will and Erie. Come on. Yeah, I hate that too. Sometimes I have to, my business manager will be like, um, Jim, what is this? what is this item for? Or what did you spend X amount of dollars on? And I have to admit to her that, oh, oh, that? Yeah, that that's uh, that's gambling. Or worse yet, she goes to Dodger Jano. Uh, Dodger Jano, do you have any idea what this, uh, this cost is from your bank account? No, I'll ask Dodger Jimmy. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's gambling. Because you know what they do? They get cute with it. They don't tell you what it is. They'll give you like a code as it comes up on your bill. Hey, Jim, my phrase or my beef is with the phrase not to change the subject. Anytime those words are uttered, we know that's exactly what's going to happen. Hey, you invertebrates, why don't you stop insulting our intelligence with your blatant lie and grow a backbone and admit that you want to talk about something else? Stephen Stockton. Eddie and Salazar or Eddie Salazar. Hey, Jim, I've got a beef with myself. So far, I've only been able to tweet my beefs instead of calling because of my work schedule. I want to make the show better, but duty calls, even though I don't. One day, though. All right, I'm here for it. Let's try the phone calls. We go to San Antonio. Ed. Ed, what's your beef? Jimmy Wisco. Yeah, my beef is Top Gun 2. You know, I don't think we're ready to watch a geriatric fighter pilot flying in circles with a stuck turn signal. And realistically, instead of I feel the need for speed. It's now, I feel I need to pee. Ah! That's not a good No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Dude, keep that up. You're not going to graduate third grade. Let's go to Rich in Michigan. Rich, what's your beef? Jim, I got a beef that I think you'll appreciate. And that's the lady who goes to the dollar store, buys a big bag of popcorn, and feeds the geese mm. and the seagulls. Now they're here for another 10 years, messing up the sidewalks. My man, you're right. I do identify with that. I hate that. You're so right. You are so right, Rich. Let's go to my guy, Justin, in Melbourne, a.k.a. at Lanier Messenger. Justin, what's your beef? 
Rami, my beefs with these luxurious hotels I've been staying at lately. Check-ins not till like 5 o'clock, but oh no. The next morning, 10 a.m., they want my ass out of there. For the 800 bones I'm paying each night, they're lucky they still have their bathrobes, their pool towels, and the TV remote. Broham, if you take all that stuff, they're going to charge you for that, too. They've got your credit card number. And by the way, hotel check-ins, luxury or otherwise, are always 4 p.m., and checkouts always 12 noon. Have you never been to a hotel before? Dude, you may, in fact, have the best Twitter handle that there is, but that's one of the worst takes ever. This is nothing new. Come on, Justin, do better. Back to the podcast, voicemails, Justin. Oh, man, out of time already. And also, you've got the smack-off. The smack-off is the single biggest thing on the program every single year. We've done this now 27 years in a row. This is going to be year number 28. It's going to be on June 24th, invite only. As part of smack-off season, we have the famous smack-off promo. Eh, let's not get into that just yet. Uh, it's not actually that, the yeah. famous smack-off promo, but a smack-off promo. Whether or not it's going to be famous, we'll find out. Whether or not it makes the dude who sent it infamous, we're going to find out. What I'm getting at is it's not Alvy's. We will be lucky to get Alvy's smack-off promo this month. We'll be lucky if we get it before the week of the event. We'll be lucky if we get it the day before the event. We'll be lucky if we get it at all. (laughs) Alvin's like one of those old dogs that you're just not going to teach a new trick to. I mean, the dude's incredible, but he ain't changing. He's like a tortured artist. He will produce that masterpiece. And when he does, it'll blow your mind. But it's going to happen on his schedule. Not yours. Not even mine. If it were my schedule, it would have dropped already. But it's not. It's not even my promo. It's his promo, his schedule, his world, and I'm going to get it when he damn well gets around to giving it to me. I know this. I respect it, sort of, not really at all, but I've come to accept it. There are just certain things that you cannot change. So what are we going to do? We need the promo, and he's not going to do the promo until he damn well feels like it. Well, one of you heard that. One of you must have felt the frustration that I had, that I shared, and you took matters into your own hands. I love it. One of you took to the studio and took the initiative to hype Smack Off 28. One of you heard my call to get creative and get up in here and make it better during Smack Off season. How can you make it better? Instead of just sitting back passively and saying, hey, Rome, what do you got for me today? Hey, Rome, make me laugh. Hey, Rome, piss me off. Hey, Rome, hey, Rome. Dance, Rome, dance. I'm like, come on, man. Ask not what Rome can do for you when he's been doing everything for you for the past three decades. Ask what you can do for Rome. Ask what you can do for the jungle. Ask what you can do to make it better. We've been over this a million times. Finally, the message hit home, at least with one guy. Ricky in Seattle. My man, I know you put in the time. I don't know how much time. Maybe it was really easy for you to do. Maybe you've got that kind of game. Maybe you've got that kind of talent. But you had to put in some time. And giving it some thought, and I appreciate the hustle. I really do. I will also say that clone submissions to the jungle are pretty much never as good as the clone who submitted thinks they are. It's like every one of your calls. It's like every one of your tweets. Y'all think you're brilliant. Y'all think you're better at this gig than I am. To which I've always said, maybe you are. Come and get it. Come and get it. If you're better at it than me, trust that they will replace me with you. 
Hasn't happened yet, but doesn't mean it won't happen. This is why I bust my ass every single day, because it could happen. Well, not by any of you, but it could happen. Anyway, over the years, there have been a handful of clone submissions. I could count them on one hand that have been absolutely transcendent, like jungle changing in a moment, but only three or four. And we've had three or four hundred that have been horrible. Either way, we win, right? If it's amazing, we win. If it's an F, we win. We all win. Well, except for the clone that's getting clowned. So I'm not really sure which side of things Ricky in Seattle's promo is going to land on. Is he going to give us an A or give us an F or maybe a C? I don't know. But because I'm constantly asking you to submit something, step your game up and make it better, this guy tried really hard, so I'm going to let him have his moment in the sun. My man, Ricky in Seattle, did not want to wait on Alvin, so he created his own smack-off promo. Here it is. Listen, clones, it's time for you to become a legend and win $5,000 in the 2022 Smack Off 28 Live, June 24th, with the Radio Hall of Famer, Jim Rome of the Jim Rome Show, known as the Jungle. Jungle. To compete in this invite only, clones, you have to call the show Monday through Friday with a good take and win a golden ticket. Keep calling back with fresh takes to maintain your golden ticket or lose your golden ticket. Clones, previous SmackDown winners can call on June 24th. This $5,000 contest is a winner take all. Who will win? Will it be by Drizzle from Kansas? Maybe K9 Paul's dog? Or it could be a wild card winner like a lady clone like Bella B from Calgary. So don't just sit there listening to clones call. Now is your time to get your best take in at 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. It's time for your chance to make history on SmackOff 2828. Listen to this guy. I mean, was that a smack-off promo or a commercial for the Monster Truck competition on Saturday? Saturday, Saturday, Saturday! Live from the Coliseum, Monster Truck Madness! Saturday, Saturday, Saturday! Goliath meets Big Ben! Saturday, 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 one day only! At the Coliseum. Hemis! Wow, bro. Either that or like one of those old style Pacific Stereo commercials. Alpine Pioneer. Any price, everything goes Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Have you been waiting on a turntable? Linear tracking is the way to go now. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Take advantage. Giving everything away. Everything must go. One dollar turntables. Eight track tape. Cassettes. Walkman. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. One dollar vinyl. Everything must go. One day only. Come to the store. I've lost my lease. I'm out of money. I'm filing for bankruptcy. I can't eat. Saturday, come to me. My wife left me. My dog is dead. Everything must go. Free monster truck ticket giveaways. Wow, bro. Like, did you do that yourself, or did you hire somebody to do that? Where did that come from? And where did you get the sound effects? Alvin, one more time. Not not that I can react to it again, because I literally can miss two days of work based on that reaction alone. But give it to me one more time. Listen, clones, it's time for you to become a legend and win $5,000 in the 2022 Smack Off 28 Live, June 24th, with the Radio Hall of Famer, Jim Rome of the Jim Rome Show, known as the Jungle. Jungle. To compete in this invite only, clones, you have to call the show Monday through Friday with a good take and win a golden ticket. Keep calling back with fresh takes to maintain your golden ticket or lose 
lose your golden ticket. Clones previous SmackDown winners can call on June 24th. This $5,000 contest is a winner take all. Who will win? Will it be by Drizzle from Kansas? Maybe K9 Paul's dog? Or it could be a wild card winner like a lady clone like Bella B from Calgary. So don't just sit there listening to clones call. Now is your time to get your best take in at 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. It's time for your chance to make history on SmackOff 28. Bro, you didn't listen back to it. You got a SmackDown reference in the middle of that. I didn't even pick up on it the first time. Clones Win the previous SmackDown. SmackDown, SmackDown, SmackDown. Clones previous SmackDown winners can Again, Alvy. Clones previous SmackDown winners can call. Previous SmackDown winners can call. SmackDown 28. Five grand to the winner of the SmackDown. Clones previous SmackDown winners can call. Previous SmackDown winners get exemptions. The three-time SmackDown champ. The defending SmackDown champ. Check out the pipes on Ricky. First of all. Amazing voice, Rick. A legit radio voice. You don't sound like a clone, my guy. You sound like an industry pro. You sound like maybe this is not your first rodeo. You sound like you've been doing voiceover work and made a lot of money doing it for a long time. Also, there was some production value other than mispronouncing smack off as SmackDown. Lose your golden ticket. Clones previous SmackDown winners can call. That does not sound like a dude with an app on his phone. That does not sound like a dude yelling into the built-in mic on his lapper. I can tell you that right now. Ricky sounds like he has access to a professional studio. Ricky sounds like he's got editing software. Did you hear the special effects? Known as the Jungle. Jungle. To compete in this invite only. Jungle. 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 Let me hear that special effect one more time, Alvin. Alvin. Known as the Jungle. Jungle. To compete in this. Known as the Jungle. Jungle. Engineered by Alvin. Alvin. Smack off. 28. 28. Screened out by Chalk. Chalk. Ritz bald. Bald. Known as the Jungle. Jungle. Great promo. Promo. Dude. Known as the Jungle. Well done. Done. Great grasp of the rules, rules. Jungle, jungle. Laid it all out, out. Jungle, jungle. I'm impressed, impressed. Jungle, jungle. Hell, if you sent this in before yesterday, yesterday. Jungle, jungle. I might have put you in the big chair, chair. Jungle, jungle. On Monday, Monday. Jungle, While I was out dealing with jury duty, duty. Jungle, jungle. And I bet you wouldn't have jacked up my chair like B-Web did, did. Jungle, jungle. Smackdown, smackdown. Jungle, jungle. Like I said before, it's rare that we get things that are actually usable or arable or serviceable or serviceable. You know, the clone submissions generally are, how do I put this? Crap, crap. Jungle, jungle. I'll give an example. I'm not just saying it. Take this theme song that somebody made for chalk, chalk. You're about to find out why this never Saw the light of day, day, until now, now. Producer Tom on the Dream Room Show, and we now come Count Chocola. We'll begin that very odd, honest foe has a lit ever for a monster. EPs, I believe the clones do not care. R.A.D. has little peak hair. Faking clones not sure about control. Any monster. Me and monster. Dodger Channel Podcast 300 will be so hot. But by monster criteria, she's not. And we with a 1313 drop. It's a monster. Jim Rome. Alright, so that guy sounds exactly like he did what I said Ricky didn't do. Barked into a microphone that he plugged into his laptop. Wow, dude, that was horrible. I already regret, regret hearing that. But that was just to make a point. The point that most of the stuff that comes in is garbage. In fact, you know what I want? I want more of that garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. Send me your submissions. 
You know, it's not like it was back in the day where you would knock out or burn a CD or knock out and drop something literally on cassette and then snail mail it to me and then we'd fire open the envelope and listen to it. Like three-day weekend. I'll, I'll never forget that. That literally was one of the greatest things that ever happened on the show. And that came out of an envelope. One of the guys says, dude, you got to listen to this. I'm like, really, why? I've heard, I've heard everything. They're like, no, oh, no, no, no. You have to listen to this. This is amazing. And I played it once, and we all had the same exact reaction to this song or the song. When we heard it, we could not stop listening to it. We played it like a hundred straight times, and it kept getting better and better and better and better. Unfortunately, that was like 20 years ago, and we've never had anything come close. So if you want, another way in is that way in. That, that guy went in the side door. He didn't actually call up and say, hey, Rome, I got something for you. He sent that to us, and I just played it. Same with that idiot that did that chalk theme song. That guy. So, if you want to take a shot, go right ahead. Know that most of it will not see the light of day. But if it's really good or it's really bad or it's really different, we'll find a way to get it in. Ricky in Seattle. Not bad. Not bad. You made it better. You did. Way to contribute. Way to add something to it. Way to get involved. The rest of you... Get the hell up in here, here. Get creative, creative. Get involved, involved. It's smack off season. There is plenty of beachfront real estate. I'm literally offering up the steering wheel. You should drive the bus. Still plenty of time between now and June 24th. Plenty of time to snag a ticket. And an invite to the biggest day of the year on the program and get your shot at history and five grand. I'm doing my job. I'm putting it out there for you. I'm dangling that carrot. Now you need to do your job. Get up in here. Rip the money. Take advantage of the opportunity. 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 Smack off 28. Smackdown. Smackdown. Dude, are you like a WWE voiceover guy? Like, did that just slip out? SmackDown, SmackDown. Golden ticket. Clones, previous SmackDown winners can call. Previous SmackDown winners. Bro, did you not listen to that back before you sent it? Nobody picked up on that. Clones, previous SmackDown winners can call. Previous SmackDown winners can call. Yes, they can. Because if you win the SmackDown, nobody can ever take that from you, you. So, Alvin, did I run late on this segment by any chance? Too bad, too bad. All right, so I promised a phone call. That was not it. Let's go to New York. John in New York. John, what's going hey, John. on? Hey, Jim, how you been? Good, dude. How about you? Uh, not bad, not too bad. I'm disgusted, you know, with the participation with the clones, you know. I wish Eric would take, like, Brad and Les and... and you know, all the Mark in Hollywood, that plastic piece of garbage today with his fake, uh, enthusiastic phone calls and everything. The only one enthusiastic about his phone calls is himself. I could see him in the phone with the phone looking at himself in the mirror or thinking he's bad and everything. I wish, and, and, and that idiot in, in Richmond, Jeff in Richmond, that guy, Steve Sharippa, look like, he looks like a Brian Weber lookalike him. And, but anyway, that's not show fodder. Anyway, I wish Eric would take them all out on his boat gym and i wish the boat would sink i can't stand any of these guys listening to them. i hear you and these guys yesterday that went in you know when that twitter story broke about you yesterday you know when all these other idiots from the other radio shows listen when you're in a room okay and a 91 year old sex therapist is telling you to go home and try another position that's when you know you've made it jim all right and uh hopefully i'll see you on the 24th and uh you know keep it up jim love you my man, John in New York. Rack him. Good night.